Middle East, there are a lot of problems. The, the question is, if there is a God, and, and that God is the creator of the universe and loves the universe and reconciled the world in Jesus Christ, then he has everything to do with everywhere in the world. The Middle East is not an exception. In that sense, we need to get more in business on what God has in mind for this part of the world these days. And it's not only just problems there, because God is working in, in that part of the world in ways that sometimes may be defined as working behind our backs. In God's freedom and sovereignty and grace, He does amazing things. The Spirit is, is moving mightily in our world and, and, and in our region in an unprecedented way. And there are many people who come to know God and Christ in our region, and they need uh, guidance and they need uh, to be served. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai Equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve. On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott, to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, Chris talks with Hani Hanna, a Langham scholar from Egypt who received his PhD in theology with support from Langham. Today, he's the Vice President of the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Cairo and will soon assume the role of President of that seminary. He and Chris talk about the history of Christianity in Egypt, some present-day realities, and why theological education matters, especially for the Middle East. As always, God has so much to teach us, especially from believers living and serving in challenging parts of the world. I hope this conversation speaks to you today. Welcome to On Mission. I'm Chris Wright, and today we return to the Middle East and to the great country of Egypt, with its ancient civilization along one of the world's great rivers, the River Nile. It's a country that joins Africa at its northern end to Asia through the Middle East and to Europe, of course, across the Mediterranean Sea. And from Egypt, I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, Dr. Hani Hanna, who comes from Egypt, although at this moment he's uh, in Edinburgh on sabbatical, which is where we're having this conversation. So welcome to you, Hani. Thanks so much, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. It's great to have you. Now, Hani graduated and began his career in civil engineering, but then followed a pathway into theology. Uh, he gained his bachelor's degree uh, in his hometown of Cairo at the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Cairo, where he now is as a teacher. He got his master's in Yale University and then, as a Langham scholar, did his doctorate at Princeton. Uh, and he's now the Vice President and Academic Dean and Professor of Theology at ETSC, that is the Evangelical Theological Seminary of Cairo. So, Hani, let's, let's start with yourself. In fact, you've been uh, teaching at ETSC in Cairo, I understand, uh, for some 20 years, uh, since 2001. And uh, not only are you, have you been there and teaching, but you are about to move into more senior leadership in that seminary when you return from sabbatical. I believe in August you will be taking over as the president of the Evangelical Theological Seminary uh, from another Langham scholar, from our dear brother Atta uh, Gendi, who's been the president for a good number of years. But what I wanted to ask you really was, um, 
why do you think this matters, this whole business of theological education, especially in a region of the world like the Middle East? I mean, you know, the Middle East and North Africa is a part of the world which has massive problems and issues and challenges and needs. And people might say, well, theological education is about the last thing they need over there. Why are you giving your life to theological education in the Middle East? Well, that's a, uh, that's a big question. And uh, yeah, uh, well, be maybe because there is a lot of problems in, in the Middle East, maybe we need to do more of theological education. Well, I think problems are, are everywhere in the world. I mean, there's no problem-free zone um, in this world. It's just how we look at it and how we define problems. But in, in the Middle East, there are a lot of problems. And um, the, the question is, if there is a God and, um, and, and that God is the creator of the universe um, and loves the universe and um, reconciled um, um, the world in Jesus Christ, then... He has everything to do with everywhere in the world, and uh, the Middle East is not an exception. So mm. in that sense, we need to get more in business um, on what God has in mind for this part of the world these days. And what I want to say here is that it's not only just problems there, because I think God is working in, in that part of the world in ways that sometimes may be defined as working behind our backs in, 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 in many ways. Uh, God, God is in, in, in God's freedom and sovereignty and grace. He, um, he does amazing things. Mm -hmm. And there is the spirit is, you know, is moving um, uh, mightily in our world and, and, and in our region in, um, in an unprecedented way. And there are many people who come to know God and Christ in our region, and they need uh, guidance and they need uh, to be served. Um, Tell us more about that, because, you know, people in the West, we often have this very negative and jaundiced view of that whole area, the Middle East. We, all, all we can see is wars and battles and struggles and so on. You, you're telling us that God is at work. Yeah. God is doing amazing things. Well, can you, first can of you all, I mean, in North Africa, there is there is a huge number of people who um, who've been coming to Christ um, and knowing God and um, in in, um, in a marvelous way. And the, the church is emerging there in a, in, a, in a beautiful manner. And they need theological training. Um, and um, and I, I was I was. Mm. I, I participated in part of this, um, not with ETSC, but with other entities. Um, and I saw what God is doing there um, firsthand um, in, in groups, um, you know, that I, I would have never imagined meet in our region. And, uh, and they were like um, a, a coal on fire that actually... You, you would you would go there and you you, you think that you you're you know you, you'll be the one serving them and you end up actually being served uh, because of what yeah wow. and uh, so and th this is this is one issue but but even in in other in other forms like there, there's been um, political um, uh, changes or winds winds let's say winds of political changes in in, uh, hmm. in the area which the heart of it is hope. The heart of it is hope for uh, for a new future, for a better future, uh, for people to have um, to have a say about the future, and um, and and this this has been going on in in many ways uh, during the past um, uh, decade or more, mm -hmm. um, but also even now in areas you, you can see lots of changes uh, happen uh, politically. Um, even in the Gulf area, and, and mm. things are very encouraging and 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 promising in in certain ways, and it's calling for for everybody to uh, to join in. And uh, yeah, so we certainly want to come to that political reality in in, in just a moment. And I, coming back to the whole area of theological education, the. ETSC, the Evangelical Theological Seminary there in Cairo, is, is a historic institution. It's been there for quite a long time uh, and is probably one of the most significant uh, in the region, in the Middle East. Can you tell us a bit more about it and something of its history? And 
in a sense, what, what contribution is it making through its students in the, in the region, particularly in the area you've just mentioned, that of uh, inducing hope or building on hope in, in, a, in a context where so much hope seems to be lost? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the Evangelical Seminary in Cairo, um, ETSC, has, has been there for almost 160 years now, so since 1863, mm. and it's, it's the second oldest um, uh, theological school in the region, and it has graduated um, so many church leaders, originally only pastors for the church, but since the 70s, uh, we started also graduating uh, people for the non-ordained um, uh, field or track or sphere, um, mm-hmm. uh, including women. Um, so, so we're preparing church leaders. We're developing church leaders um, who can be theologians um, in the way that they look at the world and engage um with the changes uh, so that they can witness to god's kingdom in this part of the world that's that's the mm-hmm. that's the main goal and our heart the heart of our mission at etsc is to um witness to god's kingdom by witnessing to god's reconciling work in jesus christ that's that's simply the heart of it and uh, well looking mm-hmm. at reconciliation i mean that's the hope that we think is definitive um of what we need to be working for um, in that region, and reconciliation between, you know, denominationally speaking. So we have lots of um, denominationalism that needs reconciliation. Um, and uh, we're trying to um, help our students grow in this area so they can build bridges with other um, faith um, um, uh, confessions. Um, um, especially Christian confessions like Coptic Orthodoxy, especially in Egypt, it's mm-hmm. Coptic Orthodoxy mm-hmm. and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, is, would you have any particular example of a student or students that you think have really been quite remarkable or outstanding in in any of the impact that they've made uh, in Egypt, either in the church or in society? You don't need to name names, but uh, tell tell us some tell us a story or two if you can. Okay, well. Well, I, I would, I would tell my story because um, okay. part, part, part of the part of my work is ecumenical work. So I, I I'm not going to say more than that. But that's that's one thing. I, I've been drawn into this um, to 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 participate and contribute to making some ecumenical um, um, uh, steps forward in in our region, um, especially with Coptic Orthodoxy. But uh, one of our one of our graduates um, have been serving. Uh, I think he, he he just ended his term there in Gaza, and um, mm-hmm. he's been working in the church there. And um, and it's it's really interesting because right now we have a lockdown because of Corona. You know, every maybe not everywhere in the world, but definitely in the UK, and uh, yes. uh, been locked down. But. You know, there there has been many lockdowns um, around the world way before Corona, and one of them definitely is is in Gaza, where people you could feel claustrophobic there um, on many levels, even if you are in open air, because of the history and the atmosphere there and um, the narrowness of life uh, in certain ways. And he's been he's been carrying a message of hope there um, for five years. Um, um, he, you know, he he did a great job there, but bringing people together and um, enable enabling them to smell fresh air um, mm. during that difficult and, time. And yeah, and and would would he be uh, himself Palestinian or or Egyptian? He's, he's Egyptian, but he yeah. married to a, he married a Palestinian woman, and uh-huh. now they have children. But they came back to Egypt just, I think, six months ago after five years of ministry there. But we have another graduate who, who, who ministered, who serves the Lord in Iraq. He currently serves the Lord in Iraq, and he's Egyptian as well. And we have a, we have a, we have a Syrian uh, graduate who uh, went back to Syria, and he's taking care of two churches um, during a very difficult time um, of the country, and he's, he's, he's doing a wonderful job. He's very, mm-hmm. he was originally a judge and uh, wow. there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear those things, because we like to think 
in the Langham Partnership that that we are, in a sense, on mission for God, that that's, that's part of what we are. We, we, we are part of God's mission and what God is doing in the world. And I would say, I hope you'd agree, that that is also part of the Langham Scholar vision, that, that Langham Scholars are men and women who are themselves uh, seeking to be on mission. So would you say that your role then as a theological educator, that your mission is to help those who will be on mission in other ways, in other words, in an equipping and a training thing, that that is part of the role, the role of the mission of theological education that you're involved in. Of course, even if they don't leave the country. I mean, in, in Egypt, even in Egypt, I mean, we have uh, parts of the country that are really um, far. Uh, so, for example, what, what was used, uh, what, what used to be called Nubia, which is the 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 uh, the other this, the 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 in the in the most the southmost part of Egypt, um, mm. and, and and we have a, a lot of the mission work going there, and we have some of our graduates are working with Nubians there uh, mm. right now. So even inside Egypt, I mean, you don't have just to mm. be outside the country in order to be doing mission work because it's it's, mm. it's it's it is what makes the church a church. I mean, mission mm. is it's part of parcel of of the identity of the church and the being of the church and uh, mm. and and we exist for that i mean we exist for the mission of god uh, by you know preparing the church in order to be able to do this um, in the best yeah. way possible but yeah of course i agree with you totally and um it's one of the reasons why we um uh we exist yeah exactly i, I was just going to say that i, I hearing you say nubia uh, you're referring, of course, to what uh, many of us here in the West would call Nubia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because that is undoubtedly a very, very ancient civilization going way back to biblical times and beyond. And indeed, uh, there's a, a remarkable history of the Christian church down in, in Nubia uh, and in that area going right down into uh, into Kush, biblical Kush and Sudan and that whole region. So that gives us a good cue, I think, to to take us to Egypt itself. And, of course, um, you are from and live in a country which, unlike uh, Britain or America, um, features in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, Egypt is everywhere uh, in the Bible. Um, even the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments begin with God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And so we always think of Pharaoh and the plagues of Egypt and, and the book of Exodus. And then Egypt, of course, becomes a, an enemy of Israel throughout so much of Old Testament history. And yet, what people might perhaps not be so familiar with is what uh, the prophet Isaiah says about Egypt. I'm sure you know these verses in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 19, where we have, In that day Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth, which is a promise God made to Abraham. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Uh, wonderful words there at the end of Exodus 19. Indeed, that verse, Blessed be Egypt, my people, I saw on one of the stones in Cairo Cathedral, uh, the Anglican Cathedral there in Cairo. And then, of course, people know that uh, Joseph took Mary and Jesus, the baby Jesus, down to Egypt with, as the Holy Family uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel. So I'm just wondering, this is pure curiosity on my part, how uh, you, as an Egyptian, and, and Egyptians who are Christians, living in modern Egypt, how do you view this biblical portrait of Egypt? Um, I mean, how do you see the bad guys, you know, Pharaoh and the Egyptians in the book of Exodus, or the good guys sheltering Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus? It's just interesting to me, how do you respond to finding your own country and your own ancient people there in the pages of Scripture? Well, well, the first thing I have to say is that we, we, we stopped killing children a long time ago. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. That was Herod, <laughs> or are you thinking of Pharaoh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think it, it, the civilization, the Egyptian civiliz civilization, was, I think, one way uh, and one context. Let me say, one context through which God um, was working in the world and uh, being mentioned in the Bible. It's 
it's it's on the one hand um it, it calls us back to the bible um Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it 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 opens new ways to look um, at the future um, as well. Uh, because when we, we look back, we see how how much change happened um, over the years and across history. And definitely, we see um, many good things happen, but also many bad things. Because when we think of the civilization, the digital civilization, it's not there anymore. Um, at least n- not in the same uh, way that we like it. And uh, we we miss that in certain uh, ways, but um, um, Egypt has been part of God's plan. And um, one of the things that we learn and 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 we actually experience right now is the hospitality of Egyptians. I mean, Egypt is a very hospitable uh, country, um, and this is um, uh, and you can feel that. I, I hope you can feel that if you if you visit Egypt in a state. Oh, I have. Yes, I've been there quite a number of times and always enjoyed it, uh, both myself on my own and with my wife. We have been very well treated in Egypt, for yeah. sure. So the, the issue of hospitality actually opens a door for, you know, making room uh, and, and doing witness to God's kingdom in, 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 a, in a special Middle Eastern way. I mean, hospitality is... is um, I, I'm not, of course, I'm not saying that hospitality is exclusive to, to Egyptians or the Middle Easterns, but um, uh, because I, I've experienced hospitality in the United States, I've experienced hospitality here in the UK in, 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 a, in a marvelous way. But um, it's, it is one of the issues that I think that God has blessed our country with um, that could actually be uh, useful and helpful in witnessing to God's kingdom in that part of the world. It could be a gateway could be an instrument mm-hmm. of God's grace in that part of the world. So in that sense, I see that. Uh, but also, there is um, there is a lot of tension in our region, and this tension um, um, needs um, 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 a, a reconciling word on, on different levels. And mm-hmm. one of them definitely is political, and one of them is, um, is religious, and one of them is cultural, uh, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, all of that is is important, and I think Egypt can be part of that um, because mm. partly because of its history. And people may not be aware that Egypt is a very large country. I mean, I think it's it's over a hundred million now, isn't it? Um, although pr- predominantly spread out along the Nile, um, from the Delta of the Mediterranean down to Sudan, and then across to the Sinai Peninsula, bordering on Israel in the east, and then across the desert to Libya in the west. So it's 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 a it's a large country, although a lot, of course, is desert. But then a hundred million people. But what people may not realise is that it is estimated, isn't it, about ten percent of the population is Christian uh, in in the broadest uh, sense of, of nominally Christian, uh, about whatever, 80, between 80 and 90% Muslim, obviously, and then uh, Christian, um, which makes it, which makes Egypt the largest, if one can put it like this, the largest Christian country in the region, I mean, where the, the largest community of Christian peoples live in the whole Middle East and North Africa region. Now, what is the significance of that, do you think, in terms of, God's plans for the kingdom of God and the church in the region. That you have this very large Christian reality in the country of Egypt. Yeah, this is this is true. Um, uh, the you know Christianity goes back to the very first century, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. When we read Acts two, and you see Egypt there. Um, yes. Um, and you know, the whole country was Christian until the seventh century, and then start you know things started to 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 take a shift. Uh, uh, when Islam came to the country, um, the seventh century, and by the thirteenth century, um, the the percentages shifted to the current, actually more or less the current percentage, which is ninety percent, ten percent, or some would say eighty-five to fifteen, um, because you know statistics are, are not are not very uh, accurate uh, in our region. Um, so you, you you could say ten to fifteen percent. Um, uh, is Christian, the Christian population is about 10 to 15 um, percent. But the, the number of Christians in, in, in Egypt um, say something about the, the kind of responsibility that we have as Christians in Egypt. Um, it's mm-hmm. a huge responsibility. And, um, and, and, and here this, this also points us back to our role as, um, you know, 
to do our prophetic role as as church um, in this region in witnessing to God's kingdom, which consists in reconciliation and consists in peace and consists in love. Um, and this puts a huge uh, responsibility on us for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always the challenge to do this um, in, 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 in the right self-understanding that when we do this, we are practicing our identity. We're not practicing, um, we're not practicing a job at extra mm-hmm. of who we are. It's, it's an expression mm-hmm. of what it means to be Christian. I, I think this is always... Yeah. Um, this is always the, um, the, um, the, the point that, that needs to be realized by the church and by Christians. Mm. I love that thought that uh, doing that is what we are as Christians. Mission is our identity. It's not just a job. It's not a task. It's, it's, a, it's a mode of being. Could you explain to us, because, uh, again, many of us are not so familiar with what you referred to earlier as the Coptic Orthodox Church, which would be the majority Christian reality in Egypt, uh, alongside others such as the uh, Roman Catholic and and then the Protestant and Evangelical community as well. But the largest is certainly Coptic Orthodox. What do those words mean? And and tell us a little bit about that church. Yeah. Well, a Coptic means, uh, linguistically speaking, Coptic means Egyptian. Mm. Um, and... Um, it's it's the, the 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 Coptic way of saying Egyptian and uh, mm. and it's 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 been in, in Egypt for it started in the very first century and you could read the fascinating stories from the tradition about how Christianity came to Egypt and the the, the Coptic Orthodox tradition uh, links that to um, to to Mark the apostle uh, mm-hmm. who came to the shores of Alexandria and 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 um, in the ver- in the first half of the first century. 40 something um uh, year of the lord um and he was the first pope or the first patriarch uh in in, mm-hmm. in egypt so the coptic christianity started in the very first century and stayed uh till now um and everybody in egypt at some point was was christian the Coptic Orthodox is, qu- is quite distinctive, isn't it? And it does go right back, as you were saying, to, to Alexandria, to many of the early church fathers. Yeah. And you have this great tradition of Christian theology and scriptural yeah. translation and uh, going on for, for yeah. centuries. And, and it is still still there. Yeah, well, well one, of, one of the major contributions of Coptic Christianity is, is somebody like Athanasius, for example. He was the 20th uh, patriarch of Coptic Orthodoxy. And uh, of course, he's very famous of his contributions to the to the Nicene controversy and Nicene uh, uh, confession of faith um, that took place in in, in the fourth century. Um, so he he was one of the he was one of the pillars of, of theology of uh, also Cyril of Alexandria um, and the, the Christological controversy in early Christianity. So that too, those are the two Alexandrian divines, if you want to say, mm. um, that everybody uh, is proud of and gets back to. And it's, it's like the, the rock uh, of, um, of confession, of faith in the Coptic Orthodox mm. Church. Um, in terms of the, the understanding of, of the, the Word of God and the Scriptures within that tradition, one of the things that uh, is longed for is that that, that, that would be... Um, more tangibly felt one of one of the one of the major problems in in our region and this doesn't only apply to coptic christianity but but to everybody else is um some formalism this formality that um takes away um uh, takes out of the center what is most important and it is it, it was one of the reasons why christianity declined in um, in egypt in my opinion uh, where the Bible was um, held to only in its Coptic language uh, for a certain time, uh, until the the Bible was translated uh, by by a Lebanese um, uh, priest and um, um, and another European priest, uh, European guy, Bustani and and Van Dyke, were responsible for the translation of the the current um, uh, official um, Arabic translation of the Bible. That would be in Arabic, yes. It's in Arabic. In, in Arabic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. After that, there were other translations in Arabic, like done by the Catholics, 
but mm. but the main translation of of the Bible was done by uh, by Protestants by evangelicals, um, mm. and, and this is the one that's official across the board um, among all mm. denominations in Egypt uh, currently. Um, so it it was one it was one of the main ways how Christianity could survive this translation of the Bible um, into Arabic. Um, right now, we have other challenges, and so many youth right now, um, they, they, they can't understand the Bible if uh, when they read it, because the Bible is written, the, the translation is written in classical Arabic, and, um, and the, the youth, they, they speak, most of them, they speak Franco-Arab, and when they send messages across uh, social media, they send it in Franco-Arab, in transliteration, um, of course, free transliteration, not not not, yeah. not academic. So, so, so what 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 does that mean then for something like uh, the Arabic Bible commentary, the contemporary uh, Arabic contemporary Bible commentary, which is seeking to to help that problem of people to understand the Bible? Uh, I don't know whether you I can't I don't know whether you participated in that project, uh, but you will be aware of it, uh, and and what and the role that it is playing, presumably not only within I hope not only within the Protestant and evangelical community, but indeed certainly available to uh, to the Coptic Orthodox community as well. It's a great achievement, and uh, it's very helpful uh, because you know you know on the one hand, any book that is written in Arabic is a great addition to the Arabic Theological Library because simply we don't produce much of it. Uh, but this one especially is very important. But, but it's it's still, there's there's a lot more uh, in need to be done. And, and I believe that that's your own passion is to increase the writing and the resources. And we'll, when we come to talk about your sabbatical, I'll be asking you uh, what you're doing on that. Uh, of course, the... Um, that Arabic Bible commentary is available across the whole region, not just in Egypt. Um, but the publisher in Egypt is Dar al Thakafa, uh, which is um, run by SEOS, the Coptic Evangelical um, Organization for Social Service. Uh, and the, the leader of that is another Langham scholar, who I'm sure is well known to you, Dr. Andrea Zaki. Um, and I wonder whether you, you, you would talk about the work that they do, both in, in the social services as, as an NGO serving uh, right across Egypt uh, and, and serving the whole community, along with the publishing work that they do of many, many Christian books through the Dar al Thakafa uh, Publishing House. Yeah, I mean, well, Seos is a very dear friend, and, uh, and mm. uh, Dr. Andreas Stefanos is a very dear friend, and there's a lot of... Um, Cooperation that that goes on between, um, I mean, you're talking about the seminary. A lot of cooperation between the seminary and um, and Seus. Actually, Dr. Andreas Stefanos is um, is one of our visiting professors uh, there, um, and mm -hmm. he he teaches in the area of uh, church and society with a special emphasis on development, um, um, which is which is a, 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 a major part of what Seus does. Um, and we also we have like an internship program with uh, with SAIS. So um, many of our students, I think most of them, I would say, um, they participate in internships um, uh, under the supervision of SAIS. Um, and they give them an opportunity and they open the door for them to learn what they're doing so that they can have access uh, to new ways of thinking that they can utilize in helping their communities when they become especially the pastors when they become pastors, but not only uh, people who are in ordained ministry uh, and the ordained track, but even our MAT students, Master of Arts and Theology students who are not on the ordination track, they go there and they learn a lot from the experience and they have... So the, yeah. Yeah. So these would be internships that your students are doing with SEOS, this uh, NGO, in community development work. Yeah. Uh, perhaps many of them going to villages and rural communities that they may never have been to before uh, and, and experiencing life in their own country that they may not have known about and then recognizing that that is a dimension of holistic mission, uh, serving the people, serving the poor, uh, embodying the, the gospel, what it means to be a Christian. That seems a remarkable combination between the vision of a seminary like ETSC and the vision uh, of a, a Christian development organization like SEOS working together for the 
basically for the blessing of the country. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, poverty is one of the major major problems in our context, and serving um, and serving our context and witnessing to God's kingdom cannot be separated and isolated from actually getting in um, in touch with these realities in a, in a meaningful way. And, and in order for us to be able to do that, we need to get our students in touch with these realities firsthand. And this happens through these challenge, uh, channels with our, with our friends. And actually, we are, that's why we, we started including and integrating courses in this area so that it could help the seminary um, um, prepare in the best way possible our students and our graduates for this kind of uh, work um, and to have the right theology backing this up so that we could be uh, better um, uh, missionaries and witnessing uh, witness to the, to the gospel. Um, the, we talked about the relationships between uh, Orthodox and uh, Evangelical and so on across these boundaries. Many of us here in the West were so impressed in 2015, I'm sure it's still a date that people will remember, February 2015, when those 20 Coptic Orthodox men uh, were martyred in Libya uh, by ISIS. And the, the incredible testimony that, uh, that some of them had, and 13 of them, I understand, came from the same village, and the mother of one of them, uh, Tawadrus Yusuf, said that she did not wish evil on those who had done this to her son, but rather that God would shine his light into their hearts. And I remember thinking, you know, only only the gospel of Jesus can penetrate uh, a mother's heart to be able to say such a thing. Um, has there been any continuing ramifications from that event? And what are the ongoing challenges then that, um, that Christians in Egypt face in, in that kind of situation? Well, um there is there is there is a, a bunch of events. Um, if you if you remember, there was um, there was a burning of a, a large number of churches. In yes. Um, okay, and um, and and that was um, that, that was like a, a very dark moment in um, in the past decade. Uh, what this woman said, and what the church in Egypt did after those burning down of the churches was nothing short of turning the other cheek a cheek mm-hmm. actually I, I wouldn't say figuratively um mm-hmm. literally uh, turning the, the mm-hmm. other cheek and um in things like this you you would never imagine how something good could come out of this um but something good came out of it because mm-hmm. There are many people in, in Egypt, um, they thought that Christians were like foreigners to the country. So it's not just, mm-hmm. it's not just non-Egyptians uh, think that Christianity is, um, is like was born yesterday in Egypt. It's even some of the, some of the Egyptians themselves, um, they think that. And uh, when this happened, they, they started opening their eyes about the reality of, well, those are true citizens uh, here. And, um, and actually, this, this needs recognition. Um, and it helped the whole Christian community in Egypt. Um, it put it in a different place um, in 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 terms of its um, its citizenship and its um, loyalty to the country and to the people and to the because this held people together. This held the country together. Turning the cheek held the country and the peace of the country together. Um, and what this woman said uh, and did was another way of turning the the other uh, cheek. Mm. Martyrdom has been a great tradition of the Coptic Orthodox Church. Um, And it goes back to the to the early period, um, the fifth century, especially and um, etc. So um, and it's the heart of witness. Uh, So it it means witness. Um, Mm. um, Yes, and it was a North African bishop, wasn't it? Tertullian, who's who said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and I think Egypt has proved that to be true uh, even in contemporary recent times this is this is true and what is really amazing is that this kind of the spirituality um, it also underlines every Egyptians so it's it's one of the reasons why you will find this um, uh, this tendency actually to, to face death 
um, uh, with bravery. And so you could say culturally speaking, not only from a Christian perspective, but also culturally speaking, it's it's, it's there. So, I mean, this is so, in some ways, so foreign to people like myself who live in the West, in the relative comfort freedom on the whole, basically fairly tolerant towards Christians, although things are changing. But what do you think then we in the West can learn from the church in Egypt, specifically the, perhaps the Arab Middle Eastern church in general, but specifically what has Egypt got to say to us? Um, I, I, can, I can think of uh, a, a thing or two. Um, Go ahead, please do, because you're in Edinburgh now, so you can speak freely. <laughs> uh, well, um, well, first of all, gratitude. Um, I met with so many people in the West uh, in my life, and uh, at the same time, I've heard so many um, grumpy statements uh and of course i you know life is sometimes unfair and maybe many times unfair uh but i think there's there's a huge lack of appreciation um of certain um goods and certain benefits and certain graces that god has been um bestowing on the west um, and and I think it, it 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 makes it makes people who live in the West it could make people who live in the West not enjoy their lives, although they can mm. and they should. <laughs> mm. yes. um, and uh, so I, I think they can they can look at at um, our region and they learn that they have a a golden chance. Um, to enjoy their lives and to make change, to make change. Mm. He can make change. So, th and th this takes me to the second point. They can make change. And um, I know that everybody in the world could feel like pressed in, in different ways. Um, so it's not just the Middle East, it's, it's everywhere. I, I feel this everywhere I go. People are pressured in many different ways. Um, but in the West, they have some sort of freedom with which they can make a change easier, much easier than in our part uh, of the world. Um, there's nothing absolute. There's nothing absolute in this sense. I mean, the, you know, nobody can nobody can do whatever he or she wants to do. Um, mm. But they can do more. Um, they can do more with their lives, and they can do more to the world. And um, and I think they. You know, I, 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 I feel grateful to the West because I've been blessed a lot, immensely, about the West. And, and, and so I'm, I'm saying these things in, in, um, in, in, in deep gratitude mm -hmm. to God and, and to God's blessing to me through the West. Because the West has been a blessing to me. Mm -hmm. And I can't emphasize this enough. And I can, I can talk about it forever. Um, but um, so, but this is since you asked me, th those are two things: um, yeah. gratitude, and they can make a change. They can make a change with their lives, and they can make a change um, in the world. Thank you, Hani. One of the ways that you want to make a change is through your writing, and uh, you are at this moment on sabbatical in Edinburgh. Can you tell us what you're working on and what kind of project you want to do, and then perhaps just how we can pray for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. Um, well, I came here with uh, with a couple of projects, and I think I was a little bit too ambitious, but uh, I think I, I could I could pull some of them um, off. And uh, one of them is is writing a, a book in Arabic on uh, the philosophy of Christian religion, um, and. Um, this is like uh, this is a this is the outcome of uh, a course that I've been teaching in, in in the seminary for six years now. Um, of course, this doesn't mean that writing the book was easy because of that because um, it's not. Um, but it's this is a very 
big need in, in our region right now, because this is one of the challenges, because since the Arab Spring, there's um, an atheistic movement that has been in, on the rise um, mm. in, in our region, uh, not only Egypt, but especially Egypt. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the challenges. So the challenge is not only poverty in Egypt and, and this region. Uh, so there, there are socioeconomic uh, you know, ways of articulating the challenges in our region, but it's not all that. So that, that's interesting. If I could just say, you said atheism. You mean presumably people from Muslim backgrounds who stopped believing in God. I mean, we think of atheism in a sense as an as a reaction against Christianity, but but this must be what you might call a sort of Muslim atheism. Is is that what you're talking um, about? Atheism from Muslim background and from Christian background. So okay. not only from the Muslim background. Right. And, and of course, if you you know if you if you log on to the to the Facebook, um, you can find so many groups in Arabic that's talking about atheism as um, as the way to the future, and uh, which is mm. which is unheard of um, twenty years ago. Uh, yeah. So there is there is a rise uh, of an atheism uh, in the region. Of course, you can't just uh, equate it uh, flatly with uh, the atheism of the West of how it developed. Uh, but of course, there are connections, uh, but uh, it, it, it's it's different. So there there is, we can talk about this for for a very long time. But mm -hmm. it, it's so this is it's a great need right now. Mm -hmm. It's a great opportunity as well, isn't it? I mean, for for Christian apologetics to speak into that whole area, as Christians have done historically, to speak into the. Uh, the, the vacuum, as it were, of atheism, yeah. uh, with with the reality of, of of biblical Christian faith. Exactly, that's that's true. That's true. So th this book is, um, is is about this. So so you've been busy, and uh, I I've, I've got a quotation here from an interview that you did with Ben Ritter uh, back a few years ago. You said that indigenous theological writing and resources are one of the poorest areas for the church in this part of the world, and so. That's something that you're seeking to redress. I remember, uh, Henny, one of my memories is sitting in Atef's office. Not long after he'd, taken, he'd returned from his own PhD and had taken up the presidency there, and I remember him saying, we here in Egypt, we cannot emulate Oxford and Cambridge because they've got libraries, you know, hundreds of years of building up libraries and so on. We, we can't emulate them. And then he sort of smiled and his face lit up and he said, but we don't need to. We are sitting here on over a thousand years of Christian books and writings in the Arabic language, and we need to recover that and revive that and find out exactly what um, you know Arab believers were saying over this two thousand years of Christian history, and that was his vision for uh, you know the study of, of Arabic Christianity. Uh, which I think he made into a whole department there in, in ETSC. But I just remember that moment. You know, we don't have to emulate Oxford and Cambridge. We've got our own stuff here. We're sitting on top of it, and we need to uncover it. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, it's a, it's one of one of the things. Even if you have a, a great heritage, and I think we do in Egypt, mm. but what we're lacking right now is education. So for me, if you know, for me, education itself is a mission for me. So yeah. the theological mm. education, I can break it up in, in so many different ways, backward and mm. so it's 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 education and theological education. The, the theological, the, the educational part is just as important as the theological, because there is a huge um, um, amount of illiteracy in in the country. So you could have all the heritage in the world that you can, that you have, that you can, but then you can't reflect on it meaningfully. To take you to the future, then it's useless, and this is the problem in in, in Egypt right now. Uh, so we need to train people how to think about the resources that they have. Of course, the most important of them is the Bible, but mm. but the, the history and the heritage and the theological heritage is also as important. So education mm. itself is a mission, and then theological education. Yeah. So, so they go together. So. Um. Hani, when you go back, as I said, um, you're going back to Egypt at the end of June, and then in August you're going to be taking up this role, uh, taking over from our dear brother, Dr. Atif Gendi, who's been president of ETSC for many years, and you will become his successor as president. What Do you have any particular vision that you would like to share for the seminary or particular prayer need that you would like us to pray for for you and your family as you take on that new responsibility? Um, thanks so much. Yeah, I need all the prayers in the world. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm scared to death. Uh, that, 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 that's one thing. And um, it's, it's a huge responsibility. Um, God has been doing great work through um, Autop's leadership and the whole team, uh, me included. And um, I, I'm praying that um, God's use of me would continue in, in a way um, that could make a difference um, in, the, in the seminary. Um, and at the church in the region. So I, I really need prayer for wisdom, um, for um, intelligent decisions to make. And um, uh, I, I hope I can, I can lead um, the seminary um, to, to help the church in the best way possible as an academic institution um, in the area of theological education uh, to be able to do its its role and its, its prophetic role in the world in the best way possible. So I I, I need that. And I, I need much grace in order to be able to do that. And I would really appreciate your prayer. Thank you. I've been talking here with uh, Dr. Henny Hanna. Uh, it's a great joy. And we look forward to your ministry there. And just to remind ourselves of that wonderful verse at the end of Isaiah 19, blessed be Egypt, my people, and God will make Egypt a blessing on the earth. And uh, may you be that also, Hani. Thank you for talking to us. Thanks so much, Chris, for this invitation and for this time. And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so privileged to be um, um, a John Stott scholar, a Langham scholar. Uh, it's, this, this was one main blessing. This is the main blessing in my life during my um, theological education and where I am right now. And uh, it gives me a pleasure to be part of a celebration of uh, the legacy of John Stott, especially this year. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, thanks so much. I really appreciate this time yeah. and this opportunity. It's a good year, isn't it, to take up the presidency of a seminary in John yeah. Stott's centenary yeah. year. <laughs> there you good year. God bless. Thank you so Thank you. much. I hope you were blessed by today's episode. What a great reminder that our mission field is wherever God has placed us. Whether the pulpit, the seminary classroom, the boardroom, or the family room, all of life can be lived on mission for Christ. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless. God bless.